Hello, and welcome to the 15th episode of Inside the Brain of, where I'll interview a movement specialist to get inside their brain and try to understand how they incorporate neurokinetic therapy into their approach to patient or client management. My name is Eric Nelson, and I'm a board-certified sports chiropractor and NKT instructor. If you're listening and you're not an NKT provider, hopefully this podcast will give you some insight as to what NKT is and how you can utilize it to help your patients or clients. Now make sure you like and share the Inside Your Brain Facebook page. And also, these podcasts are available on iTunes. So if you utilize iTunes and enjoy the podcast, make sure you write a positive review. Thank you. Now, with each episode, I like to, um, before I get into interviewing uh, the, my guest, I like to offer a little bit of advice, whether it's practice advice, how to incorporate NKT or what NKT is, or, or even how to improve some systems in, in your life. Uh, I, I like to spend a few minutes talking about that kind of stuff. Um, you know, sometimes I get a lot of ideas of what I'm going to talk to, and, and sometimes I don't have many ideas. Well, today was uh, the, definitely the latter there. So I looked for some inspiration around me, and I went to the NKT Scholars page, and sure enough, I was not disappointed, and I saw some incredible posts, a couple things that gave me some ideas. But the one that spoke out to me the most today um, was a post by Jordan Terry, and he talked about, uh, he expanded upon a metaphor uh, that he heard from Dr. Kathy Dooley when he had the opportunity to actually go to Australia and be an assistant for her when she taught an NKT class. Now, one thing I find is that a lot of times people come to the class and come out of the class and they're kind of confused and they saw some awesome things, but they're not quite sure exactly um, what NKT is. And in fact, I... Uh, have a slide in one of my PowerPoint presentations on the three most common questions people ask after taking a, a, a NKT class. And the number one question is, what the hell am I doing? And, you know, as funny as that might seem, that is the reality. A lot of people aren't quite sure what the concepts are. And on the very basic level, NKT is about finding muscles that aren't functioning properly and figuring out what's compensating for them. So I like this post today by Jordan because he talked about this metaphor from Kathy, and basically she used the metaphor of a group project. Uh, she talked about how the body doesn't move in isolation, uh, but you know if you look at anatomy trains from, from Tom Myers, you could see some of the groups, uh, the muscle groups working together, and, and she was referring to that as the group projects of movement. And basically, she talked about in her class, she had a few students in the front row, and she called them the group. And in that group, she was relating how there was possibly um, a slacker in the group that wasn't doing what they were supposed to. They were kind of inhibited, if you will. And then there was someone else that was picking up the slack that was doing a lot more work. And that person was getting a little frustrated, a little angry, a little upset, a little facilitated because they had to compensate for the inhibited person. And I thought that was a wonderful metaphor, and, and Jordan uh, did as well, because, again, that really goes right with exactly what we're saying. 
Now, though, the reality in practice of NKT is we do see some other possibilities. And when Jordan was contemplating this metaphor, and he was also thinking about group projects he's been involved with, he added in another scenario. And it was pretty interesting when instead of the angry member being the one that was overworking, the angry member was the one not being allowed to pull their weight. In other words, and I think we can all relate to this, sometimes we get involved with a group project and you've got that person that's a type A control freak and they're running the show, they're doing everything, they're doing your job because they can do it better. So they're running around and they're doing all this work, yet there's a couple people that are in the group and they're getting a little upset um, because they're not able to do what they are. So in this case, they're inhibited, but they get really tight and they get very frustrated and angry and very painful. So again, this is a very common, a very common thing that we might see in practice. For example, a perfect example, is, and, and why this post really spoke to me, is yesterday I had a patient in the clinic, and when I was testing her psoas, her erectus femoris was cramping and it was causing pain. And she kept pointing and saying, the pain's right here, the pain's right here. Now she came into me for lower back pain at the time, and um, you know I didn't think it was coming from Rexem, but I, you know I therapy localized that, tested so as, and it really wasn't, it, it didn't do anything. And then I also muscle tested Rexem, and that wasn't doing anything. So I had so as and Rexem not working, and they were inhibited. Yet Rexem was really painful. Uh, so again, that goes right with the scenario. So what did I do? Well, because I knew that they had back pain. I knew I palpated the QL, the quadratus lumborum, and that was very tight uh, as well. Um, I palpated that. I therapy localized the QL. I retested the psoas, and, and, and it turned right back on. And, in fact, there was absolutely no cramping with the rec fem. I also therapy localized the QL and then retested the rec fem, and that tested strong. So here was a case where we had uh, the, the, the type A person, the control freak, the QL was tightening up and, and become, you know, and, and, and just compensating for the other muscles, the psoas and the rec fem, which in this case, the rec fem was the one that was actually a little painful and a little tight, um, but it was also inhibited. So again, very common things that you'll see as a practitioner in both situations. So keep your eyes out for that. Again, check out Jordan's post today, and I thank Jordan and Kathy for for both of those metaphors, and I, I think it's a wonderful way um, that you can explain uh, NKT to other people as well as your patients as well, and I think that they will understand exactly what you're talking about. So again, thank you to them. But now I'd like to dive into my interview, and full disclosure, we had some technical support, so this is the second time we're going through some of this. So um, anyways, I'm very excited to um, speak to my uh, guest tonight, and um, I have to say, um, he is definitely an interesting, an interesting person, uh, very inspirational and insightful. And, you know, while most people, including myself, I, I, I tend to maybe repost an inspirational quote or something that I might see, I have to say that my guest tonight actually creates them. And if you've seen any of his statuses, I mean, some of the stuff is just absolutely mind-blowing. So I'm very excited uh, to speak tonight uh, to uh, my guest, and I'm very excited, again, to get inside the brain of Christopher Warden. Hey, Christopher, how's it going? I'm great. How are you on take two? <laughs> I'm doing well. Hopefully, we'll be good to go on this. Um, uh, so you're 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 in New York now, correct? 
And, yes. Uh, yeah. When when did you get in? I got in last night. Yeah. So I'm you know I'm 24 hours into adjusting to the uh, to the time change. Things are going good. Excellent. So you should be good to go by level three on uh, Saturday. <laughs> by Saturday, yes. I won't need toothpicks to hold my eyes open. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, while I was doing some research on you to prepare for our interview tonight, uh, I reached out to Maria Amendolia, who um, you know is friends with you, and um, she gave me some questions. So some of the questions I'll be asking you tonight uh, came from Maria, so I just wanted to thank her uh, for contributing tonight. So um, some things I wanted to talk about right off the bat is, you know, I like to figure out a little bit about you, who you are, where you came from, what you're all about. And I, I know that you're more than just a trainer. Um, in fact, I think I read somewhere uh, a holistic-minded health coach. And um, can you share with us, you know, how you got here, what your education was, and what made you decide to go this route? Yeah, well, I mean, I think in the most simplified version of the story is every everything that's taken me where I'm at today is just been a uh, a constant pursuit to uh, to make myself a to realize who I am and to um, demonstrate my purpose, if you will. And basically, um, in my journey, if I felt like there were weak links that I had in my in my game and my skill set, I pursued the things that I thought would help me to help others. Um, and initially, my schooling actually was. Uh, geared toward going to medical school. Uh, that's basically from the age of five through uh, my undergraduate degree. That was my, that was my sole pursuit. I knew at a pretty young age that I wanted to, to help people heal themselves. And my younger, ignorant days, I actually said I wanted to heal people, but we, we know as professionals now that we don't actually do the healing. We kind of serve, serve as, the, uh, as the guides to help people help themselves. So um, I started at a very young age again, pursued medical school, and uh, had a bunch of degrees in the um, biotechnology, microbiology realm. And uh, then what happened is I graduated college and started doing research at the University of Minnesota and had an opportunity to uh, uh, go into a PhD program in molecular pathobiology. And it was during the initial pursuit of that and I realized basically that I, I was uh, I felt like I was using my intellect, but not using some other skills that I, I felt I'd been given. And so I, uh, in a, kind of an epiphany moment, I, I realized that I, I wanted to stop pursuing the titles um, that I was going after and more explore truly what I wanted um, for my life. And that eventually led me, uh, after a whole bunch of years of doing odd jobs and, and uh, you know, finding myself, uh, it led me back to, to training. And so helping people instead of, you know, treating them once they got to hospitals, actually trying to help keep them out of them. Um, I kind of had an issue with the, uh, the overall philosophy of how people were, were treated in, you know, Western medicine, if you will. Um, and so I, I went into, I, I decided to pursue the coaching and, uh, essentially started with, you know, getting my basic certifications uh, through the NSCA and from there uh, pursued things with uh, NASM because I wanted to do a little bit more rehabilitative type coaching, corrective exercise and whatnot. Uh, and from there I got turned on to the likes of Paul Check, 
uh, Greg Cook, and um, you know, basically was covering the movement realm of of of, of health and fitness. Um, until I realized that movement wasn't the uh, the main thing to focus on, you know, the only thing. Um, which I, I feel like uh, many trainers might identify with this when they first start. That's kind of what our focus is, is to get in the gym and, and burn a bunch of calories, and that's going to be the thing that uh, solves everybody's problems. Um, so I was pursuing those certifications and, and focusing on the movements, and um, and then from there, and not realizing that wasn't the, the – uh, the main answer or the, 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 the primary source to solving people's problems, I went into nutrition and studied nutrition from a traditional perspective because all of the uh, sports performance nutrition guidelines I was following weren't really, weren't really helping people and they were leaving me confused because of all the contradictory information that was out there. Uh, so I spent about seven years studying the likes of Weston Price and uh, did certified metabolic typing advisor certifications and whatnot. Um, and while that helped uh, even further, I came to the realization that um, even if you've got the best nutrition programs and movement programs out there, you're not going to get the best out of them if, in fact, you, um, in your own journey, are not ready for them, right? So I came to... Um, the point where I realized that I really wanted to learn about the emotional, psychological, spiritual aspect of myself and, uh, and then in turn help people with, with their journeys. Uh, so that's what led me to my master's in applied sports psychology that uh, you brought up uh, earlier because I basically wanted to become better at helping people with uh, the mindset and again, looking at the, you know, the whole package, which is why I'm, not considering myself a holistic health coach, if you will, you know, it's a glorified personal trainer. Excellent, excellent. So yeah, I mean, so glorified personal trainer. What, um, you know, so how do you, how would you describe the scope of work that you do as a coach when you know when a client comes to you? Exactly, you know, give me a rundown of basically how you do that. What, what do you do? Well, I mean, I, I feel like the longer I've practiced, the the less I actually know how to answer that question, <laughs> because uh, it kind of it kind of it kind of depends on what the person presents me with me. You know, I've got a system that I've set up over the course of years of um, running a business. I actually had a business in New York City before I moved to Morocco, and so you know, I went down the path of trying to to make my job into a business and create systems and whatnot. So I've got client intake forms that, um, because of my exposure to people like Paul Check and, frankly, the likes of Kathy Dooley and, and uh, Gray Cook and um, some of my friends that are overseas that I've studied under, um, you know, I've got a pretty in-depth uh, client intake form. And I use that as kind of a systematic way to get into, you know, to take the first steps into a, into a client's, you know, their history and, uh, and know what, you know, what the first steps to take would be. Um, but again, in terms of, you know, what do I do outside of that system of getting to know the history? It's, it's pretty wide open because uh, I've had people approach me in the last couple of years and they're not even coming to me initially for movement related issues. They actually want me to help them with their mindset. And so I find myself doing, you know, psychological work and other people will come to me and they'll want quote unquote rehab 
and because I'm a trainer, of course, I don't I don't state that I do rehabs. I I can't. You know, I I definitely refer out to physical therapists, chiropractors, doctors as is needed. But I'll essentially approach them from the standpoint of they've got a, a movement uh, challenge or they've got some pain that's not apparently medically related. You know, it's been cleared um, through other professionals in my network and. You know, you, you just uh, you pursue the avenues you need to pursue in order to help clear that problem. And, and quite frankly, a lot of times, the the pain challenge that exists, or the movement challenge that exists, is uh, remedied by using things that go well beyond the physical. Hmm. You know, so uh, again, to go back to the initial question, you know, what do I do? Generally speaking, I've got the intake form, and it starts with doing that, getting a get information about what their lifestyle is, what their nutrition uh, habits are, what their movement habits are, what their exercise history is, injury history, history of, uh, I mean, everything, how they were raised and their, you know, what they experienced as children, any significant injuries, surgeries, et cetera, that they've had, and kind of just letting the story unfold from there. Excellent. Now, in your, your your studies and your approach, how did you find out about NKT? Where did that fit in? Well, I mean, so I mentioned all the different certifications I did, and a lot of them, you know, in looking back over the course of my my journey, a lot of them is like I was pursuing the missing link. You know, you'd get the client that comes in that was the elite athlete or the average everyday individual that was in really good condition without any presenting, you know, not presenting with any noticeable problems or challenges and you could train the hell out of them and everything was smooth and easy. And then you get the ones which quite frankly are very common. I think Andrew O'Reilly, Andrew O'Reilly is his name. He was talking about the fact that, you know, as a coach, it's pretty uncommon to find people that come in without some kind of a challenge that you have to deal with. You'd be you'd put yourself out of business if you referred out because essentially everybody needs something. So um, in this pursuit of finding ways to be a better coach, to reach people at deeper levels, I I basically pursued anything that I came across that looked like it was giving me answers on how to look at people at a deeper level or understand myself at a deeper level, which in turn would help me to understand others. And NKT kind of falls into that line. You know, I'd done some studies overseas um, with a man named Dax Moy, and uh, he was kind of along the lines of Paul Check in terms of the holistic-minded approach to things, uh, really was good at teaching uh, the skills of observation and assessment. Uh, I learned a lot of hands-on things with him in terms of being able to do some basic decompression work or doing myofascial release and that kind of thing. Uh, to help create space and help people move. Um, and the thing is, as I was doing some of those things and I would get results with people and they'd be moving better, be feeling better and whatnot, but then you'd get the problem with it, you know, with the, you'd do the corrective work and it wouldn't stick. You know, so there was that continued pursuit of finding things that were helping get to the root source of the problem. And, you know, basically I came across David um, I think he tried to friend me or something, and there was something where suddenly David was in my sphere of, in, of influence, and Perry Nicholson was somewhat involved in that because I'd been reading some Stop Chasing Pain uh, posts, and uh, you know the case studies were pretty mind blowing, and it, it was kind of along the lines of things I'd studied in the past, but it sounded like it was really 
uh, a tool that was good at pinpointing the source of problems, right? So essentially I got into it because it just seemed like a more powerful tool to help me, and away I went. Excellent, excellent. Now, um, you mentioned previously you had your job in New York City, and now you're in <clears throat> Morocco. So what exa- what exactly is your current job right now? What do you do? <laughs> Oh, that's a funny story. Um, I was in New York with my business and was actually on route to Colorado. My wife and I were going to take our kids and move uh, more to the west because I've got family in Minnesota and my wife is from California. So we were going to kind of centrally locate ourselves and be in this beautiful part of the country and whatnot. And uh, I stepped off the subway on a Friday afternoon in January of 2010. Um, and actually a man who's now a fellow MKT practitioner, Adam Figueroa, had sent me uh, an email saying these people might contact you. Uh, basically, had referred me, um, and it was for a member of the royal family of Morocco. And uh, I pursued the referral, and next thing I know, I'm I'm living in Rabat. So um, I've been working with uh, a member of the royal family for uh, what's going on four and a half years now. Um, and actually, in the last year, um, as my responsibilities have grown and trust has grown between me and the client, and and so on. Um, I've started coaching uh, the Moroccan national golf team. There's uh, the professional and amateur teams that I'm working with as well, with the primary responsibility being the uh, the principal client. Uh, that's pretty cool, though. So you're working with the professional golf team. And so what, what are your, I mean, do you tell me some stuff you do with them. Do you just do you treat them? Do you do sports psychology with them, a little bit of everything? I do a little bit of everything. I mean, it, it, I came in, and, uh, it's a very new thing. Uh, basically, we started in at the end of the year last year, and my client essentially asked me if I would if I would help. They've been you know trying to get the program off the ground for quite a few years, and they've had a little bit of success, but more success on the national level, and they're trying to get more on the uh, on the world stage. And uh, so I had the honor of being asked by him to help, and uh, I'm working alongside. Um, a professional named Bobby Vervey, and he's a very good golf coach. Uh, used to play on the PGA Tour a long time ago. Uh, actually, is a nephew of Gary Player, so you know he's got a good pedigree in terms of playing and teaching the sport. So the two of us together were kind of brought in to consult, and um, it's it pretty much starts with the basics. I mean, I I look at golfers and any other athlete as any other person, essentially, that we're all, even if we're practicing a very highly skilled activity, at the end of the day, it's a microcosm of the bigger picture of life. And so I'm teaching them how to move, and I'm teaching them how to eat, and I'm helping any of the athletes that have any movement issues in conjunction with a physiotherapist I'm working with, um, and I'm working with mindset, um, but I'm and I'm doing it in the realm of, you know, helping them perform better in golf, helping them to develop a much stronger mindset because it's very different. Uh, you know, being in Morocco, it's a very different mindset than what you'd experience in the United States. Um, so I'm helping with the mindset and and everything else, but it's a it's very much a grassroots thing, and it's also through um, it's predominantly in French and Arabic, <laughs> of which I speak. You know, Broken French and very very little Arabic, so it's I mean it's a very interesting process to say the least. Um, and again, it's more it's a holistic approach to things. So it covers everything 
but you know obviously the principal factors are getting them to move well um, because a lot of their exposure to to movement and training is probably what we would have been doing in the 80s you know it's a third world emerging country so there's a lot of concepts that they're not familiar with and they're also younger players so pulling out some of the quote-unquote magic that we <laughs> that we purportedly do with the stuff we do in the year 2014 it's kind of uh you got to approach them with it kind of slowly or they think you're doing voodoo on them right right i'd imagine well i'd imagine though i mean i know i i'm not i don't know much about uh golf uh, my brother-in-law's a big golf player and um you know ever since you know tiger woods came on the scene it's obviously that exercise and working out and training is now becoming a big part of golf so mm-hmm. i'm sure uh i'm sure that that's uh, a big help to what you for what you're doing over there definitely um now well, it Maria, definitely does it definitely helps yeah um maria had some uh good questions as i mentioned before and one thing she said you know talking about your situation here she was curious if you found it challenge challenging to develop and incorporate your NKT skills uh, based on, I guess, your limited amount of people you come in contact with. Yeah, it's, it, yeah. I, I actually took the first level and wondered how I'd get myself certified because I, you know, I didn't know where I'd pull the people from um, because I'm basically contracted to work principally with, uh, with my clients. Um, and, you know, it was, what was great about that situation is it helped me get over myself and my fears of doing things perfectly. And, and, uh, I basically started pulling people off the street. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I was, I, I was working, you know, I'd do the typical, okay, I'm going to go to my wife. She'll help me a little bit. And then there are some people in our circle from maybe some of the different embassies that are in her bot working with them. But then, um, you know, one of the, one of the glorious aspects of my job is I'm essentially, I, I joke with people that I've got a bat phone, you know, basically the phone's on 24 seven. And if I get a call, I'm, off and running, and so I can, one second I'm in robot thinking I'm going to be there, and the next second I'm on a plane flying to the other side of the world, and so, I mean, I've had episodes where I'm practicing on drivers <laughs> that sprain an ankle and got a calf cramp, and, you know, they they don't know what to do, or, you know, a bodyguard that has an issue with his elbow, and, I mean, so basically there has been a great challenge uh, in terms of finding people, but that challenge has helped me come out of my shell because as accomplished as I've wanted to be as a coach and as some people might perceive me to be, you know, I've got fears like everybody else in terms of being able to help people and be good at what I do. Um, And so the challenge of working for one person, um, but wanting to excel in this has helped me to just kind of you know, open myself up to, you know, hey, I'm on a trip driving through France and I'm on a campground and some random person I met is limping and complaining of pain. Let's see if I can help him, you know, and that's kind of how I've gone about doing it. And by virtue of doing that, I've been able to finish the first two levels and here I am going to level three and, um, you know, just practicing the best I can. So I'm probably not as well skilled as a level three of your caliber, for example, who might see you know, between 20 and 50 people a week, but uh, I do the best I can. <laughs> hey, well, that's that's awesome, and that's res- uh, I completely respect that because, um, you know, a lot of people that I talk to, they're scared to use it. 
You know, oh, absolutely. I don't, know. I don't know. It's like you know what you got to dive in there and do it, and you're you're grabbing whoever you can. So that I mean, hats off. That's that's absolutely phenomenal. So you're you're, you're doing great with that. And, um, awesome. So um, all right. Um, well, Maria had another question. She was curious. You know, um, obviously you're here taking to take level three, but anything else on the horizon as far as expanding your toolbox that you're uh, that you're interested in? Well, I mean. I think everybody these days is interested in anatomy and motion. Anatomy and motion. And I've known Chris and Gary um, because of the first two levels I actually took in London. So I met them met them overseas. Um, two good guys, and obviously you've had exposure to them uh, with the first two levels that you've taken. So that's something that I've I've looked into. Uh, and I mean, frankly, I'm open to essentially anything. I did this take Lewis uh, Laney's restorative breathing. Phenomenal class, uh, very inspirational and uh, life-changing in a few different ways. Um, I'm looking for. I'm usually looking for things that, quite frankly, are helping me to help myself. You know, my my ultimate purpose. Uh, I feel I was put on this earth to help others heal themselves, and in that regard, I can practice anywhere with anybody and, and be fulfilling my purpose. But as uh, um, Michael Yoxon has said, and you talked to Joseph Schwartz and uh, even uh, John the Greek uh, last week. You know, the beautiful thing about hearing these interviews, again, is you hear this, there's this plethora of people with beautiful stories and backgrounds that are incredibly diverse, um, and they're all essentially expressing the idea that, you know, at the end of the day, we're all looking to bring a higher level of consciousness to the world, right? I mean, I think and Michael Yoxon was the one that specifically said, you know, before you can heal others, one of the best things you can do is, is heal yourself. And in the process of healing yourself, you in turn heal others and, in fact, leave a mark on the world. Um, so I basically... You know, well, I can, uh, you know, say anatomy and motion is something I'm pursuing, and restorative breathing is something I, I like, and, and KT3 is a tool that I'm learning to, to um, use. Um, I'm open to pretty much anything that I feel is going to help me understand myself better, um, while also enhancing my skill set um, so that I can help others to grow. Because I, I kind of, the more I've practiced uh, coaching. I feel like uh, obviously the physical realm is very important. It's a part of what we do, but I, I kind of see it more as a a gateway to reaching people's um, deeper levels uh, as a way to help people reach conscious awareness. So, I mean, you know, what what is there out there to help me do that? I mean, the, the sky's the limit. You know, it can be any book, any practitioner. Um, you know, you writing an inspirational post or making a status update that's linking to somebody else's inspirational post can be a source of education. Um, and I just kind of go from there. Excellent. Yeah, well, I know I definitely noticed that with you, too. You definitely piggyback on some people. You know, Robert Cavanaugh had a post recently, and, you, I mean, you just – your part to it was just awesome, and it took it to the next level. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's – I could see what you're talking about there without a doubt. Uh, so um, the next um, phase here that uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about is that you had sent me – um, some some quotes or some thoughts that you have, and I really mm -hmm. just thought, wow, 
these are some things that people um, need to hear because, I, again, and I mentioned it before too, is a lot of people struggle with learning NKT and mm-hmm. you know, not understanding the basics. And, and you know, and again, is it is it really that they're 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 not understanding the concepts and the protocols, or is there some other issue <laughs> that's going on that they need to deal with on a personal level? And I, I'm kind of starting to think more it's 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 that, you know. Um, yeah. You got to get through some things. So I thought maybe we can talk about some of your quotes here and concepts, and you can expand on them a little bit because, um, you know, I, I really like the stuff that you, you wrote here. I think it's 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 absolute gold here. So uh, the first thing on the top of the list is is that you mention um, and uh, letting the clients tell their story. Uh, that it will reveal all you need to know and oftentimes alleviating fears of knowing what to do. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess when I write that, I mean, there's there's the client history, and um, that's fundamental. And so speaking, the quote or that, that point that I made is, is speaking to that to a certain extent, but I think a lot of times um, – you know, and I used to stick to the client history and and focus on the the, the physical aspects of things, and again, the nutrition and and so on and so forth. And a lot of times, it is, I don't know, a lot of times we can make this. I'll call it an error. Error is probably too strong of a word. We might look at the human body as a machine. You know, you hear people quote sometimes saying, you know, this guy's a machine. He he. He's nonstop, he's unbreakable, and you basically feed him the food he needs to eat or, or her the food she needs to eat, and you give them the right exercise, and they're just going to they're gonna go no problem. I mean, look, treating a human being like it's a, an automobile, you know, and it's a simply mechanical thing. And the fact of the matter is, is we obviously are much deeper than that. And so when I... Come, I mean, if I use my client as an example now, it's a very dynamic situation. You know, you've got this person that was born into what they were born into, and if I go into a session with him, or if I went into the situation with him, with my preconceived notions of what should happen based on what I know about his history of movement and how he eats and all this kind of stuff, um, I might limit myself or blind myself to what's really necessary, because I might overlook the fact that there's a complete cultural difference in terms of how he sees the world. Um, and I might miss what he presents to me when he walks into a room, you know, where I might, so I might have a plan for this is what we're going to do for our session. I'm building this program off of what I did the last time I was with him. Um, and then he comes in the room and, you know, I'm, I basically read his eyes, I read his body language, and I find that everything that I had planned is going to go right out the window. You know, so basically that idea of having the client, letting the client tell their story, there's the verbal aspect of things, but it's also looking at all the nonverbal communications. You know, how are they breathing when you come in the room? Are you watching them and they've got a paradoxical breathing pattern? And, uh, you know, they're, they're having trouble looking in the eyes um, they're talking to you. What are the things that they're saying to you as they're conveying their message about their day? Um, and a lot of times from that, you know, that brief snippet of time that uh, has nothing to do with the client intake form and the history you took down with the physical aspects of things is going to tell you where you need to focus, which includes potentially saying, I'm not going to touch this person. We're not going to do 
uh, movement in the way I plan. I'm going to lay this person down on the floor. I'm going to get them to breathe well and maybe do some gentle movement, if you will, that's going to stimulate their parasympathetic nervous system and, and just get them into a rest, recovery, relaxation mode. You know, and I guess that's, uh, I don't know if that covers the uh, the point well enough yeah. or not. I think it it does tremendously, exactly. I talked about that a few podcasts ago about look, listening, and um, feeling, and, 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 and that's tremendous. So, yes, I agree with that 110%. Uh, the next thing that you um, mentioned here, and it's something as I was reading someone's post, I think it was yesterday, um, and this really um, spoke to me as well, and that you say trust your abilities, know your limitations, don't let titles stop you or determine your wealth. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, you see a lot of dialogue that goes on, uh, not necessarily in NKT, but you see it across the Internet, or, and Facebook is obviously a medium where a lot of things can be conveyed. Um, I, used to, I used to be hung up on titles. Uh, you know, I, when I first told you about my history, you know, I was pursuing the degrees I was pursuing because I wanted to be a doctor because I thought that was the best way to help people going through the system in that way. But what I realized in this epiphany that I had in the morning I chose to not go to graduate school at that time was that I was actually pursuing titles because I felt like people would view me as intelligent because I had all these degrees. And, you know, basically the epiphany was, you know what, I need to stand on my own two feet and realize that people will see me for who I am um, if I'm doing my best to be authentic um, and vulnerable uh, and just give the best of myself to the world, people are going to see me for who I am regardless of title. Right? Now, that being said, you know, we can get caught up in the fact that, you know, I'm a personal trainer or I'm a physical therapist, I'm a chiropractor, I'm an osteopath, I'm a doctor of orthopedic medicine. And, you know, especially in a place like, well, in the Western world, if you will, um, and I feel like I have got the ability to say this because I'm now living overseas and living in uh, a country that's you know, closer to the Middle East and it's a completely different cultural mindset. Look over toward the United States and you see, all the, you see a lot of people attaching to the titles and I'm allowed to do this, I'm not allowed to do that, refer to this person for this type of work, and so on and so forth. And the thing is, to me, when you look at what we're all, we're all trying to get to the same place again. We're all trying to help people to help themselves heal in whatever way they need the healing. And at the end of the day, the titles don't really mean a damn thing. There might be legal ramifications you have to be considerate of, and that's all fine. But all that being said, sometimes you can have an intuition and you can you can be seeing something right there in front of you, and you don't act because your mind is playing with the fact that well my titles are not allowing me to do this, and you put doubt in you know you put doubt into the equation, and it it actually hinders what you can do for the client. So when I speak of you know working as if you're titleless, it's not uh, you know I'm not talking let's go all Wild West and be irresponsible what we're doing. It's more, again, you got to know yourself and know what you are capable of doing, trusting that you, you know, the education uh, that you've taken on is, is going to help you. And if you're 
you have to know what your limitations are in that and, and truly know, okay, you know what, I am not medically cleared. This is something that I just want to go and refer out because they have the medical clearance to do so. And, you know, basically cover my cover my bases. And then beyond that, just let it all go and practice based on what you know you can do. Um, in by And you know what you can do by... Um, you know, looking into yourself. You know, quite frankly, it goes again to what we said earlier. Michael Yoxon has said it, and a few other people have said it in other interviews. Um, take the time to look inside yourself. Just know who you are, value who you are, and just let things go in practice. You know, and if you get to know yourself well enough, all the other titles become irrelevant. Excellent, excellent, awesome. And that's very evident in the um, NKT community where we have so many different people with so many different titles, yet we're all doing very similar work. So I think that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's very relevant to our community here. And um, Another thing you, you say, and, and again, I, this is huge as well, is that you have a much bigger impact on your clients than you can imagine. The subtlest things can make a huge impact well beyond the structural or physical aspect of client care. Yeah. Um, well, I think that, you know, that, and obviously it's only one case study and be my client. Um, one of the most phenomenal things I've noticed over the time of working with him is that um, when, I, when it comes to movement, I, I, I'd love to study movement. and I, I love to uh, basically when I approach people um, to help them if they've got movement dysfunction, I'm one of the guys that loves to go right to primal movement, you know, some of the stuff that Greg Hook talks about again and, and all the people that are in that circle, they go to, you know, infancy and lifting the head, looking, you know, looking left and right, reaching patterns, extending the back, rolling patterns, crawling, etc. I'm I'm a primal movement guy, if you want to call me that or give me that kind of title. Well, that's what I go to is uh, my fundamental thing that if people have movement dysfunction, I'm going to look at breathing and I'm going to look at their primal movement patterns and basically clean those up. And I'm a big believer in that cleaning up those movements is going to have a positive impact on the higher level skills that we do um, from a movement perspective. Um, Now, working with my client, uh, I have moments where I'll see him and then I have no idea when I'm going to see him again, whether it be because he's traveling and I don't know he's traveled, and, you know, there's no communication because of security issues, um, or I'm working with a person that there's other people in our circle that, that do things with them, so I don't know if what they're doing is unwinding what I've done with him or not. Um, and so basically I'll have, I've had these feelings like, my God, what's, what am I going to see you know, three weeks down the road when I see him again because, you know, I, I haven't been able to work with him on a consistent basis to consciously move and whatnot. Um, and what I found is that, you know, say I'm working with him and I've helped him with a rolling pattern. He was completely stuck rolling from left to right or whatnot. And I've helped him with the rolling pattern breakdowns and gotten him moving pretty well, but now I have no exposure to him. And I'm like, well, there's no way this is going to hold. I haven't seen him for three weeks. What's going to happen? And he comes back to me and a lot of times there will be movements that I've worked on where not only has the movement pattern stuck, but it's better than it was. 
um, when I finished with them. And you know, you're wondering how in the hell is this happening? This is not a person that does the work on their own very frequently. Um, so I've really come to see how, um, from a phys- working with people on the physical realm, you, I can start. To, you know, started to question the idea of you need to do three thousand repetitions to um, regroove a motor pattern. Right. I mean, I, I can see the validity in that concept, but I've also seen the fact that I can do a few repetitions of conscious movement with a person, and even when they're not necessarily practicing it on a daily basis, I come back weeks later and and they're still performing well. You know, so you take. I'm talking about you know helping something, helping somebody with a a gross movement pattern, let alone using a powerful tool like MKT where you're doing profound things in terms of helping people become consciously aware of the source of the problem and, and doing little corrections and then giving them homework. It's amazing how the little bit of homework you give them can stick even if you don't work with the person on a regular basis. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I know. I've seen some yeah. stuff like that as well. and That's that's definitely the exciting part when that kind of stuff happens without, without mm-hmm. a doubt. Uh, when you definitely get through to them on some level there. Um, so another quote of yours that really um, um, sticks out for me, and again, going back to even you know learning and practicing, is you say, clear intention and purpose makes any obstacles moot. <laughs> A little bit about that. Uh, well, I actually use that with, uh, with the golf team a lot. Um, basically, what I... What I mean by that is that, you know, the clear intention or knowing your purpose and knowing it clearly, it's it's going to serve as that signpost for a person, right? So we can have a plan. We're going to, you know, I'm going to be the best coach that I can be, or you're going to be a world champion golfer and you're going to, you're going to be in the top 150 on the PGA Tour. So you have that goal in mind. And it's one thing to say it, then you've got to, of course, demonstrate all of the things that create that champion in terms of taking care of your body, having a having the mindset that's going to keep you working in the down times as well as the as the up times, all those different things that make a person a champion in this case. And what I usually do when I'm illustrating it to the players uh, in three languages is I'll point out a tree on the opposite end of the golf course and basically illustrate the fact that, say, nature takes me in a path that's not going toward that tree, all right? Regardless of whatever gets in my way, I still got my eyes focused on the tree that's, you know, 300 yards down the, down the length of the golf course. Um, and no matter what gets in my way, I know that target's there, and I'm going to get it because it's what's important to me. It's basically pulling me toward it. Um, and that, I mean, that's that's what that whole thing is speaking to. You know, when we have clear intention as practitioners, um, I think we can serve the clients really, really well because we essentially that clear intention, uh, especially if it involves having an openness to um, not putting our stuff on them, just trying to be objective observers of what's in front of us, um, we can help people overcome whatever it is that they have to overcome. You know, and it starts by not only us having our own clear intention for ourselves, but then helping them determine what their intentions and purposes are for themselves. Robert Cavanaugh likes to talk about likes to refer to it as 
not healing anybody. What you're doing is you're managing the client. You're helping them manage the client, helping the client manage themselves and manage their lives. Excellent. Yeah, that, that makes complete sense. Well, as we're talking about this, or as you're talking about this, I I come to personal stuff. It bring it makes me think about where, um, you know, I have a difficult patient, and um, it's just hard for me to get through to them. You know how. You know, for example, I had a patient yesterday. Uh, it was her second visit, and she looked at me like, I mean, I spent my whole initial visit explaining what the purpose was <laughs> of what we're mm-hmm. doing. I got on the floor. We went through the exercises. You know, I told her, you know, what our goals are with each of these exercises. And then she comes back in her second visit, and she looks at me, and she says, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, and and that and and that was uh, and why was that uh, why was that challenging for you? Well, you know, I I guess frustrating that I spent an hour explaining everything to her, and frustrating that I said, if you you know, do you understand before she left? Do you understand everything? Yes. Do you have any questions? No. If, and then if you have any questions about the exercises, you can call my office and, and my girls will explain it to you, you know. And I, I, so, again, it just, frustration comes to me because I, I, I don't know, I get really – I almost want to tell them just to leave right, right then. Yeah. But I, yeah. take couple, I take a couple breaths and then I just start from, from scratch. But, yeah. I, I, I try because I keep that in my mind is clear intention and purpose um, with every patient. I, I, I try and I, I guess just some people just uh, just don't get it. And um, anyways, <laughs> well, that's uh, I mean I think that's the uh, that's the challenge we all face, right? I mean, we you know the first question you might ask yourself is is she really ready? You know and she might very well be. She might have the, the the highest intention to help herself, but she's also, you know, she's also in a place where maybe she doesn't know how to do it. Maybe she, you know, maybe she answers the questions that you asked her um, about understanding and and uh, you know, does she have any questions? Did she did she know what she needed to do? You know, she might have given the quick yes, I understand because she didn't feel. Uh, ready to be vulnerable enough to say no, I don't. Please explain to me more, or whatever. I mean, obviously, I don't know because it's not somebody I've worked with. Um, the challenge, I'm, you know, can be to to accept the fact that that's okay that they don't know. You know, <laughs> they don't maybe know what they need, uh, or if they do know, they don't have the ability to articulate that yet. And I guess it's up to us as practitioners to determine their authenticity um, and in knowing what their um, objectives are or what they're ready for, then understanding what we as practitioners are willing to to deal with, right? I mean, the first thing I would say is, you know, are we putting expectations on the person, you know, because we want to flex our uh, successful practitioner muscles and be like, I can I can help this person. <laughs> I, I'm going to be the guy that or the girl that, that can help this person with their challenges that nobody else has been able to help them with. And then challenges come up in terms of, you know, this person being where they're at in their process and it might not match the um, quote-unquote expectations that we have, which might be the fundamental error is that there's an expectation in the first place. 
right? Um, so I think the first thing I would do is um, I tend to I, I tend to play uh, devil's advocate and, and kind of I like to push buttons. Uh, I'll try and do it gently. You know, I, tr- I meet the client where they're at in terms of figuring out what kind of button pushing I can do. Um, but usually what I'm trying to subtly do is reinforce the idea um, with the person that they're there on their own volition and that they truly are pursuing what they say they want to pursue. Because, you know, if, they're, if they find that they're in a place that they don't want to be, I'm going to be the first to tell them, you know, why don't we pursue other avenues? Because at the end of the day, this isn't about what I want, you know, and how I want to heal you, even though that is a part of what I'm on this planet for. Um, my objective is to help have you be in a place where you feel happy and fulfilled and like you're getting the best help possible. And sometimes that solution is that they need to step away and do some more introspective work. You know, and whether they use us for that or not is obviously up to them. Right. So well, that's that, I mean, that's, that's you know, and that's that's how I feel exactly too, and that's why I kind of I bite my tongue a little bit because I I feel like with, with this person I'm thinking about yesterday, she she kind of had an attitude towards me, and I'm kind of like, okay, I don't, I don't think she's ready to hear what I have to say. How do I say that without <laughs> telling her to get the hell out of my office? Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's and that's where you can also go into the, you know, what level. Maybe they are open to the information, but then what level? You know, do they? there are some people that, I mean, I'm well aware of the fact that some of the stuff I say, people might think I sound like a crazy man. You know, I make no sense and I'm too touchy-feely or maybe it just don't make any sense, period, because I don't know what I'm talking about and I'm full of shit. But <laughs> anyway, but uh you know, so I'm well, well aware of that fact that people might not want that, and then I have to adjust my delivery to again meet them where they're at. I mean, and, and quite frankly, again, this situation I'm in in Morocco has been a great learning experience for me because I mean, I came to Morocco having been in New York for eight years and essentially getting my business to a point where, you know, I could take on who fit the profile of who I wanted to train. You know, I had the whole velvet rope set up where people had to jump through hoops to work with me because I didn't want to take on any bullshit, um, which maybe there was a little too much ego involved there. I have no idea. But uh, I went to Morocco and you know I had this mindset of, well, I mean, this person's asked me to come there and because they want my help and, and whatnot, I'm going to be able to present my solutions to, you know, to their problems and we're just going to hit the ground running. And of course, I, I mean, I got um, bat right upside the head <laughs> in terms of seeing that it wasn't going to work that way. And um, and actually, it speaks to something that I read about a lot, too. You, you see people talking about how, you know, you shouldn't, ideally, if people are really willing to work, uh, and if you're a good practitioner, you might not see a client for very long at all. You know, if, if you're with a client for 15 years, what the hell are you doing with the person? Because, I mean, are they actually getting better, or are you just basically collecting a paycheck and, and not helping the person. Um, and now from this experience here, I can tell you that I'm working with a guy that because of the scenario, I mean, I'm essentially working in a world that if you've ever watched the tutors on Showtime, it's that kind of a world with the exception of the fact there's not horses and, and uh, well, there are horses, but there aren't horses at the main, <laughs> main source of transport and there's no burning at the stake. But, you know, it's a pretty intense world and there's a lot of things pulling at this person I'm working with. And if I were 
to say to him, you're going to do X, Y, Z, and you're going to change by tomorrow, he'd look at me and wonder what the hell I was talking about, you know, because he's seen, even though he's a worldly person and he's seen a whole bunch of things, he also is seeing it from a completely different perspective. And so what's normal for me is not normal for him. And it's so different that, I mean, it literally is is as foreign as foreign can be, you know, beyond the foreign language. Um, and so I had to learn that, in fact, the stuff that I was, I was basically placing expectations on him based on my cultural views and what should work. And it doesn't always work that way. You know, black is not always black. It can also be white and up can be down and left can be right uh, and everything in between. And, I mean, and so, you know, in four and a half years with this person, the amount of progress I've made with him, if I was in, you know, if I was comparing him to a CEO I'd work with or a A-list celebrity that I'd work with when I was in New York, I, you know, I probably could have done the same amount of work in a month and a half. But it took four and a half years because I'm dealing with a person with their cultural background, with the indoctrination that they've got, with the circles of influence that are around them that are pulling in many different directions, and having to overcome a whole bunch of inertia to help this person, you know, basically see the fullest potential that they have and then take action. You know, because you can have a person that really wants to take action and they're just terrified and they got to move slowly and that's okay. You know, and I think sometimes as practitioners we have to be okay with that because we can want the testosterone rush we get from saying, you know, I just, you know, found that this guy's toenail was facilitated to his eyebrow and I found the link and I fixed the problem and he's walking along just fine and everything's happy. You know, it doesn't always work that way because there's the many different levels that we have to deal with when we're working with people, which brings us back to what we talked about earlier. You know, it goes well beyond the physical. The physical to me is almost becoming again more of a it's a signpost and a gateway to get to the the real stuff. Definitely, definitely, and, and I guess that goes along with your 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 quote: the the quickest way to help a client is to lose attachment to time, and how long it mm-hmm. takes for success to be achieved. And um, yeah. you know, picking back on on that one too, your, your follow up with that is patience, compassion, and understanding may be the greatest tools we have as professionals in combination mm-hmm. with our technical skills and our desire to help others. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, that that's tremendous right right, right there. <laughs> yeah. Guys, the funny story is, because I know you had talked to me um, or written something about, you know, having patience. And uh, last week uh, during uh, a work session, we were walking the golf course, and actually the, the golf pro that I was walking with we're going through a little bit of a stressful time in in the in the world that we're in, and he's looking at me and he says, "For God's sake, the freaking universe is giving me a whole bunch of information. It's trying to teach me a, a lesson, but God damn it, I'm I'm ready for the lesson. I'm getting really sick of waiting. I'm ready. I want it to come right now. I'm getting really impatient." And I thought, and I you know I listened and smiled. We walked about 50 more yards, and I I walked up behind him. I was like, you know. The, the lesson you might actually be getting from the universe is that you need to be patient. <laughs> I want the answer tomorrow, you know, right now. Well, maybe we just have to wait a little bit. Maybe the patience is the answer. So, you know, look into ourselves, and and uh, often the uh, the answer is going to be found. Yeah, no, I agree, and that's uh, patience, and that's something uh, 
uh, been learning from David as well too, on 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 so many different levels. And I, you know, now that I'm aware of it, it's a lot easier to um, come to terms with. That's for sure. That's definitely for sure. And that's why even like dealing with these difficult patients that seem to you know, not understand what I'm saying or giving me an attitude and they're there for the, whatever. I I am being more patient with them. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on my breathing. I'm slowing down. I'm I'm thinking what I'm going to say. I'm trying not to react as well. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that's just a, a huge lesson that I'm constantly working on. And again, uh, as I'm looking at one of your quotes here, maintain an openness to learning. And um, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the, the more open we are, I mean, the 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 what's the what's the phrase, right? The more we learn, the less we know. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I feel like I'm an idiot, you know. And, and who knows? Maybe at this interview, people will think I am one. But uh, I mean, it, I I can when I, when you're young and know everything, you actually are putting up essentially blocks to to growth and. As I matured um, and got over myself and um, became open to learning from more than just the books, you know, learning from my peers, not having this fear of, my God, I can't go to this person because I'm going to look stupid if I have to ask, you know, this doctor or this fellow personal trainer uh, or holistic health coach a question because I should know all the answers. Once I got past all that, um, I started flourishing. You know, because I, I mean, it opened me up to so many different different um, concepts. Number one, but then there's the different perspectives within each of those realms of of study. You know, whether it be movement or nutrition or whatever, you let go of your paradigms and and just open yourself to what what's out there, and the sky becomes the limit. Awesome. All right. Well, let's as we're winding down here, um, you know. Uh, Again, a big thing I see, uh, big theme I see on the scholars page is people that are frustrated and and um, you know having a hard time learning. And one quote here that I, I really like a lot is uh, in reference to NKT practice is that you say keep it simple, work with individual muscles, yet think in patterns. The big picture is always there, supporting the simple solutions when it has to be. In the end, yeah. off, shun, feel less than because you're only finding simple relationships. The solutions you are helping to provide are delivering what the client wants and are the foundation for greater things to come. So I, I, that's just a tremendous um, statement right there. Yeah, I mean, and it's, I mean, it's, it's something that I actually. I probably wrote that when I was talking myself off a ledge for not being able to figure something <laughs> out or not feeling like I was uh, doing adequate work, you know, because you start learning the, I think what I said to uh, David on the first night of level two was it, it seemed to me that level two, what made it so great is it to me became like learning how to do short form calculus. You know, when you're first learning how to do derivatives and integrals, um, you learn the long form, and it's really painful if you're not, you know, if you don't enjoy mathematics, for example. But then you get to learn the short form, and it's a really quick and simple step that you do to solve the problem. And when I had the, you know, big aha moment right away that first night, because you know, one of the reasons why I took NKT 
was one of my weaknesses is I felt like I could walk, look at a person and see what was going on, but I didn't necessarily understand how to break down what was happening underneath the skin. So I wanted to become better at um, seeing the slings and, you know, and you know, the, the train, if you will, from Thomas Meyer's Anatomy Trains. Um, John the Greek talked a lot about that last week or two weeks ago. Um, about his gift of being able to see that. Well, I wasn't one of those people that could actually understand what I was seeing. I understood the movement pattern and, you know, I could see there was a problem, but I didn't necessarily know what to do with it. And so NKT to me was something that not only was going to help me find the source of the problem, but it was also going to help me become better at understanding the chain of muscles, if you will, that was working to help with the movement pattern. Um, and so... You know, like it's said on the page all the time, NKT2 is great to take because it makes level one even easier. Um, I think it's because it, you know, you go from working with the individual muscles and understanding the testing and, and the basic relationships of functional opposites and synergists and whatnot to going beyond the local relationships relative to, the, again, the reciprocal or the functional opposites and synergists and whatnot to seeing, oh my God, you know, you've got the deep longitudinal subsystem and, you know, you can suddenly see how you can go from the ankle to the neck very, you know, very quickly and where the relationships are. Um, so that being said, when you understand all that kind of stuff, it can still be as simple as go back to, you know, obturator internus is inhibiting, you know, the psoas, you know, and it can be okay if that's all you find for the day. Um, if the person is feeling better and moving better uh, after your session and it seems to be sticking when you challenge the work you do, then that's great. Um, now, of course, what I like to emphasize, too, is the point that a lot of people are like, well, I, I solved the problem, and they, you know, they, it almost is like, I'm done. But uh, I'm always more interested in, not in the, the solution that I find in the one session, but one that it stick beyond the session and where does it take me, you know, a month, two months down the road if I'm seeing the person again? Are they not only holding with what you initially corrected, but are they, are you going to deeper levels of the onion? Are, are deeper, deeper levels of the onion revealing themselves and therefore you're progressing from the initial, um, you know, the initial symptoms that the person was presenting with? Definitely, without a doubt, huge point there. So, all right, well, let's wrap up here. And um you have any last parting words for... um for new NKT practitioners or anybody that's struggling to learn? Any um, final words of wisdom? Well, I hope some of the words that I've shared so far have been considered words of wisdom. Uh, I'd say just throw yourself into it and, and have faith in, in what your abilities are and uh, let things go as, as the journey allows them to go. Uh, maybe share that even though I'm not online a lot uh, for various reasons, most of them having to do with security related to my job. Um, I am somebody that loves to help, and so anybody that feels like they have a question, if they want to shoot it my way, I'm pretty good at uh, getting back to people and they have questions for me, and I'm happy to help. Uh, and I just want to say thank you to anybody that chose to listen to this interview uh, for giving me the chance to uh, get over one of my fears, which is you know putting myself out there and speaking publicly. Uh, thanks for listening to the interview, and I appreciate uh, your time, and I hope I helped. And I thank you for the opportunity that you gave me in, in doing the interview. 
Excellent. Well, that was, yeah, I mean, uh, so many, so much valuable information there, and I, I feel like I could have kept talking for hours with you about it because uh, it's just very insightful, and, and again, I think it, it speaks to me tremendously, and I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting you uh, this weekend in person and hanging out and getting to know you a little bit better uh, on that level. So, again, thank you uh, for, for, for sharing your, your, your knowledge with us, and if, um, you know, I you you do have a website christopherwarden.com that people could check out as well too but definitely find um christopher on facebook and make sure you connect with him cuz he is a heck of a guy and you don't want to miss uh his 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 posts because they're 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 absolutely phenomenal so Thank you, uh, Christopher, for joining me. And, um, you know, again, I, one reason I do this podcast is there's there's so many incredible people, practitioners out there um, from all different professions that utilize NKT. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really curious about how they incorporate it into their approach to patient management. Uh, so uh, if you have any suggestions, if anybody has any suggestions about people they'd like to hear about or learn more about, uh, please feel free to shoot me a message on Facebook. Uh, again, uh, make sure you, um, you you check out the uh, Inside the Brain Facebook page. Uh, uh, again, these podcasts are available on iTunes. Um, upcoming episode, uh, I have uh, Dr. Michael Hartle, who's a chiropractor and master strong first kettlebell instructor. Uh, very interesting guy. I'm really looking forward. I've, I've, I've just, I, I respect him from afar. I don't really know him personally, but we've chatted a couple times on Facebook, and uh, I'm really interested. Uh, kettlebells really interest me, and I'm really interested to see what he has to say. Uh, on a side note as well, I'll be teaching a level two in New Jersey in August, uh, so please make sure you sign up for that as the early bird special will be over soon. I'll be teaching a level one in September in Detroit, uh, in October in Arizona and Atlanta, and I'm in the process of scheduling a uh, another level one in New Jersey for December. And oh yes, I just set up a level one in uh, Seneca Falls, New York, uh, which is where New York Chiropractic College is, is in, in November. And I've already talked with some people up in that er area that are going to be assisting me, so I'm very excited to meet some of those people. Uh, as always, your feedback is appreciated. Drop me a line on um, on Facebook or to my email address, chirorehab at hotmail.com. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight, and I will speak to you soon. <laughs>